It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Am I tough enough? Strong and stable leadership. Total rhubarb. Hell yes, I'm tough enough. Shut the fridge. Not another one. It's the Politics Show Pubcast. Love podcast, hate nonsense. Welcome to the Politics Show Pubcast. <laughs> Tom's not clapping. <laughs> Tom Usher refused to clap that sentiment, which is, I don't know, damning, I think, actually. Which made it sounded like a slow clap. Um, I'm just not into clapping. I just, I'm not, I don't look. Um, I've got this weird thing from the tube earlier. I've had to stop someone's <laughs> door and it got a black line on it, so I don't want to clap. So you're concerned about dirtying your other hand? Wait, yeah. what do you mean you got it from the tube door? What do you, you know mean? You know when you stop, you know the inside of the tube, the, the, the black rubber ring? Yeah. It's like incredibly dirty. I don't think you're meant that. to touch it. I know I wasn't, but I was being really <laughs> polite and helping someone uh, come in because the guy's girlfriend, he ran in and then she was coming in, but she was too slow. So I stopped it because I thought I was being really nice. And then they didn't even say thanks, but I just got a <laughs> Should have let her go. In my hands. No, I just kind of sat there looking sad and hoping that they would get that vibe, but they didn't get that vibe. So, so, so we're here with, with local hero, Tom Usher. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, who's our special guest today. And as always, we're joined with Ava Santina. How are you doing today? It's not as nice of an intro, is it? <laughs> well, sorry, if you don't hear Tom's <laughs> heart-wrenching tale of helping helping someone get on the tube. Yeah, but maybe he was trying to get away from her. No, I wasn't. I was just trying to reunite the couple together because I didn't want them to be separated. But maybe the couple didn't want to be together. They did want to be together. I could see it in their eyes <laughs> and I could feel it as well in my heart and in the general aura as well. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent, Grace. <laughs> Great stuff. Hey, how are you reading today? How am I doing? Yeah. I'm quite, it's quite muggy, so I like react badly to mugginess. Great. Excellent. Like a, like a love island contestant. <laughs> yeah. So it's quite, it's quite sweaty when you walk around a lot. Yeah, it's hot in But here then I well. decided to wear it all black for some reason because, um, yeah, I don't know why. But um, yeah, it's quite hot. And also, I feel like I've got loads of like marks on my forehead for some reason. I don't know where I got them from. And no, you it, look well, actually. Yeah, do, I really? I think, I think I thought being... I got sunburnt, but I'm actually, I, I, yeah, maybe I'm just rosy. I'm like a traditional <laughs> English rose type way. Like Kate Winslet kind of vibe. Local hero, English rose, Tom Usher. Um, He's actually not wearing any clothes. 
Um, you've had, you actually had a, apart from the mugginess, you've had, you've had a good day today. You got your white belt. Oh wow, it's not, I didn't get, you start with a white belt basically. Sorry, then, you, uh, got the <laughs> you got the uniform. You got the uniform. Yeah, they, you have to get one yourself. You have to buy that one. You have to buy the white belt. But basically it's like you get notches. It's like little, uh, it's like a black kind of like bar on your white belt. And then you get like white lines on it. So I think you get four or five and then you get the blue belt, which is the next belt. And I've been, I'm kind of useless at, um, grappling in general like jujitsu and stuff because i come from like a more of like a boxing background so uh um i've been just starting it in march so to get it like um to kind of advance in any way was quite uh good for me because I've, I've been kind of struggling with it so i felt pretty proud of myself <laughs> no but it's sick it's, it's really sick you wrote, you wrote an article recently called how fighting taught you or sorry, excuse me i'll say it in the first person as it's, as it's titled how ta how fighting taught me to stop fighting myself yeah. You wrote that for ITV's Woo. ITV like, Woo. ITV Woo. Yeah, it's quite, um, <laughs> I uh, don't have a, I, I, that kind of platform came out of nowhere. And I, it was just, um, I saw some other people had written for it, um, like Shante, um, who I like really respect. And so uh, I was like, I'll just do that as well then. Oh, and then I think they were calling out for pitches about male relationships and stuff. And I just noticed that I'd uh, had, um, just noticed that like the relationships I had in the gym with like my fellow kind of like um, got other guys and the coaches and stuff. It was just quite a weird, unique uh, kind of relationship where it's like you are literally like kicking the shit out of each other every time you see each other. But then it's kind of like that weird kind of like release um, that you get where it's like a kind of like camaraderie where like Obviously there's the whole kind of classic camaraderie you get when you go into battle with someone, but that's how it kind of feels when you're kind of almost fighting someone as well, where you end up like respecting someone a lot and you kind of let it all out and you do it together. And it's kind of, it's like big release. So like all these guys in the gym that I fight with and train with every day, like I don't know anything about their actual lives except what I see on the Instagram stories or whatever, but um, I feel like a very like close bond with them and like they're very supportive and, um, obviously I, I um like whenever you're having a bad time i was having a bad time last year and just felt like that whole kind of supportive network um is not really one that men actually get in many other places really uh in modern day life um because like where are you going to get it from like like your office or whatever like some weirdo who's sitting next to you that you don't even like in the office you know what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Boys>. <laughs> when you said that tom's gonna be pointing at me um, <laughs> so like yeah uh so it's like weird because obviously you know it's just a struggle that like, communities obviously we're becoming more and more fragmented and alienated from each other and all of those uh kind of um is it adam curtis that guy probably that yeah um all of that hyper normalization stuff so yeah, um, oh, yeah it's actually quite nice that you just have something so simple and basic and it obviously is kind of primitive but yeah it does kind of uh really help your uh men's mental health yeah <laughs> you know that's really interesting we were talking i did a thing yesterday with laura bates and she was talking about how like men go like not being in the gym is probably yeah. the worst thing that's happened to them yeah because yeah, that's why 100%. they're all online being every time every time i don't go to the gym I like end up like having a bad time. Like basically when it gets to like Christmas time and like I start like, you know when it's like Christmas when everyone starts like going to loads of raves and or going to loads of parties and going out and going to the pub, like that just becomes, and there's loads of Christmas parties. And before you know it, you've kind of been drinking solidly for like two or three weeks or whatever and doing everything else. And it's like, then your brain kind of like gets saturated in this weird thing where you're kind of like, this is just, 
like your your modern life actually just becomes incredibly like it is actually quite an empty and unfulfilling thing really when there's nothing else tying it all together and like if it's just like kind of i mean london's quite like a it can can be quite like a it's so fast paced that you like lose track of even what you're really doing on a day to day mm. basis especially if you're like out celebrating you don't really have time to think or whatever so um when I'm in those moments where I don't have like something like tying me down like gym or some kind of discipline or responsibility, then yeah, I feel terrible basically. Like the last time I even did like therapy was when I was like um, not going to the gym and I was just drinking loads and stuff. So it's always been, it's all that ties into it where it's like I can't, um, having that kind of, uh, those dudes around you, even if they're kind of being monosyllabic, monosyllabic, <laughs> one, word. <laughs> one word talk it's really hard yeah even if they don't kind of just grunting at you in a supportive way that feels like more that feels like more uh healthy and beneficial to you than um going out and celebrating with all these other kind of people that you know may not um that are kind of just like living for the weekend or you know in, a, in another manner i kind of feel like i'm rambling but no you're not i feel <laughs> no i feel like that at the moment like i was honestly just thinking about it the other weekend because i was like it was like saturday and I was going out drinking in the evening and then I was like, oh, what am I going to do in the day? And I was like, oh, I'll just call up my friends and we'll, we'll just go to the pub early. Yeah, and that's I'm, what I'm saying. Because then it's like, what else am I going to do? Yeah. Sometimes when I wake up in the day, I'm like, shit, I've got like four or five hours till I'm getting on it properly. And I was just like, well, I'll just get on it a little bit now. And then by the time <laughs> I'm just like, shit, I've just been getting on it. That's all. Because it's like, if I don't have anything else to do, then that is literally all I'll do. And then you have that whole January thing where it's like, oh, I'll go to an exhibition. But then you don't really care about doing that when you're not you know when you've got like a party or something to go to you're not you don't really think in that way so yeah um yeah, when you're a social person you kind of just want to be around people and the most acceptable way to be around people is, is to drink yeah yeah so yeah i've had uh it's been um it's been good to have find like something else like another kind of thing to like tide me along because london is really good for stuff like you know gyms and fighting and and even communities as well there's so many kind of communities that you can find if you kind of dig a little bit deeper um, or you have like a hobby or an interest. I mean, you know, whatever it is. So um, it's just quite a bit of a, it's a bit of a step for me from going from my twenties where I was just getting as obliterated as possible every weekend because um, I was like doing, working in sales or whatever and I hated it. And I like, had the Sunday scaries and like the Monday morning fear and all this stuff. So moving from that to this and kind of realizing, you know, that you've got to like balance it out with other stuff is healthy. Yeah. You know that thing like, I remember back when I was like 22, 23 and I was dating a much older man, as was the, as was the theme. And I remember, <laughs> I remember him We're saying, doing it. he said something like he was like talking about his best mate and he was like, oh, um, well, you know, when people are 40 and they're like the last person to leave, yeah. like when you're 20, that's fun. Yeah. When you're 40, that's really sad. That's and at peak. the time I was yeah, like, yeah, I do yeah. not understand what you're talking about, old man. <laughs> now, I now I get yeah, it. Because now you get it when you get it like, oh shit, like am I that guy when I'm like the last person to leave the rave or when I'm the last person to leave the afters where? Like now I'm very, very adamant about, I haven't really even done that many afters. I haven't done any afters for like a long time. I think I did one the other day, but other than that, I haven't done one for, I haven't did one before then for like eight or nine months or whatever. Cause I was very like, like that was kind of the thing. I was like, I have got to stop doing afters. Cause that was like the kind of thing that I was, I realized was like, that's where you get sucked into like the bad vibes, basically um, the spooky vibes. But um, I don't know why I'm talking about this. Why are we talking about this? <laughs> I don't know, it's interesting. It's good. See, see, uh, yeah. See if someone watching this was like, oh, I re recognize they were in the cycle of perhaps 
drinking too much, going out too much, and they're just making them unhappy. What like taking up something like combat sports or something is maybe like it's it's quite daunting or something. Like, even like taking yeah. that step to kind of better yourself. Like what what do you think is there, is do you is there something from your experience that like an like a first step to like getting to like that that almost better place? Yeah, uh, I I don't know. <laughs> How much I could like really uh, be giving people advice about how to live their life because uh, my life is a fucking shambles. <laughs> but um, aren't all of us though? Like really? <laughs> yeah, like, but mine's not in like a funny, like... wacky way where like I've got a job and like a media company. Mine's like actually like a shambles. Do you know what I mean? I'm on like Universal Credit. I'm like got you know, but in like a funny, wacky way as well. But no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, I don't want to be like giving like men's mental health advice or anything. <clears throat> but at the same time, uh, what I kind of realized is like, I think it's the the number one thing, especially it's quite funny to talk about this post Glastonbury, but the number one thing I found maybe getting older, but also kind of like taking a step back is like the, once you battle the FOMO, I know it sounds so pathetic, but it's like that fear of missing out. And once you kind of get over the fact that it's all kind of, a construct in your head and that the fear of missing out is just literally it's like there was one time i went away for like a year and i was just going traveling um to like freelance traveling uh from abroad because i was like i don't actually need to be in england when i'm just like writing freelance anyway but then i basically went away for a year and i came back after a year <laughs> and everyone was doing the exact same afters were doing the exact same raves doing the exact same stuff and it was like the exact same conversations and everything because nothing had changed in a year because that and then i realized shit man that whole fomo that i'd been having every time i'd missed secret garden party or glasto or any of these like like insane amounts of parties and raves that we have every weekend it's like not real basically and it's like i think you you forget that how um repetitive a lot of that stuff is and when you actually take a step back and realize that that stuff is just basically incredibly repetitive and you even though it's incredibly fun i'm not gonna lie like i had a really great time and i still have a really great time but i think when you kind of get over that feeling of fomo then you kind of realize oh shit what else is there going on in life other than um that stuff and i think that's like the number one thing that i that, that once i kind of got maybe it was like a mixture of age or like maybe it was a kind of mixture of kind of like age and also wanting to take a step back but once you get over the idea that people having a party are going to be doing the same shit every fucking weekend. And it's never really going to be that much different, even though it sounds like, oh, I missed out on this lineup or I missed out on whatever this like print works so or I missed out on this festival. Like really, it's just the same shit over and over again. And once you kind of clock that, then you are like, okay, yeah. And then you can actually figure out well, what else is there. But, yeah. yeah and it's trying to go home earlier that's that's yeah. been my thing it's been trying to go not home not doing the afters that's what i'm saying yeah. once you realize you go home at three and you get a cab back home and you don't crack on then you just then it then you don't kind of get sucked into like the 48 hour ones and also you can get yourself like a you, you can you can get a 30 quid cab home yeah because you're not spending it on anything yeah, else yeah, that yeah, night yeah, like yeah. you're just going to bed yeah. it's quite <laughs> and you wake up really smug yeah like, i don't know but i thing. like I wake, wake up. up and you don't feel like ordering a, a mackie's breakfast and that's when you're like yeah i've evolved as a person and you put like a wash well i don't know for me i put like a wash on and like people are getting in and i'm like oh are you tired right <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's been the best i've had all of my friends have been like messaging me like broken being like i'm sad and like emotional i'm like well, I just got my first notch on my jiu-jitsu belt, so yep. yeah, yeah, that's I feel what, really great about myself. Yeah, so that's, that's a dichotomy between you and me at the moment. Yeah. I was at Glastonbury and feel oh, really? like oh, You I look just, great. Oh, thank you, man. You don't, you don't even have like a that kind of waxy pallor that people usually have when they've come back from Glastonbury. I think it's just like kind of sunburn. <laughs> I also just usually have a waxy pallor. <laughs> um, so, so speaking of Glastonbury. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> wrangle this bike. That was great. Nice. No, that was, I, that was great. You're normally was really good at the segue as well. As that was sick. Not another one. It's the politics show podcast. Still, let's talk about let's talk about Glastonbury. Let's talk about my experience at Black Country New Road. <laughs> well, if that was the podcast, just me talking about acts I saw. Ed sits down at the desk this morning, and I'm like, Ed, how are you? How was Glastonbury? And then he launches into this story about how the Guardian kept selling out at Glastonbury. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, because they were because tri- the Guardian were tricking people with the nice bags they make. Yeah, oh, that was tote it. Bags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They make, they make nice. Everyone bags. needs a tote bag. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, yeah. And it was really nice, and gave for three pounds. Then now the Guardian can go can go and be like. Glastonbury sold. Uh, Glastonbury goers love the Guardian, which like, they probably do, but it's quite a mm. dishonest way of yeah. bumping up the metrics. But as someone who does like go to Glastonbury this year, I haven't, and I felt very smug because the the conversation has been it's extremely middle class to go, and yeah. it's very there's been you know there's a lot of sneering from the Glastonbury goers yeah. on people Don't who go to Benidorm or whatever. You're yeah. you're, you're famously in favour of fun. I am famously famous for <laughs> you're like as in like I do love fun on, on like you're. you're Social media, you're always quite pro fun, fun like especially when it comes to the sesh. Yeah, shall we say? What do, what do, what do you make of that stuff? About people, people were being criticised for like, oh, you say there's a cost of living crisis on, but you're going to Glastonbury. I just think it's just another way for, I mean, like kind of dour, kind of like right wing personalities to basically just stick the boot in again. I mean, like the idea that it's like somehow in any way to do with the cost of living crisis is just totally insane. It's like, it's like. I think the whole thing is it's getting harder and harder to like kind of keep up this charade that it's like um, charade or charade. How do you say? I say both. All right, okay. Um, Yeah, it's kind of hard for these people to keep up keep up this idea and convince everyone that that there's a section of society that are still having a smug, like nice time whilst they're struggling and having a bad time. Because I think now with the cost of living crisis and all the other shit that the Tories have just been pillaring like the whole of society with it's like there's not really much more room for everyone to kind of to be convinced that somebody else is having a good time and I think the Glastonbury thing is like a very it's an easy scapegoat kind of thing because it literally is people having a good time mm-hmm. actively and you can see it and obviously so I think people are like well they're having a good time whilst we're all struggling and it's like well actually it's like the tiniest briefest like glimpse of like nice time in this otherwise completely brutal and relentless mm. like country that we're living in like conditions that we're living in like and and everyone knows that no one's especially young people as well especially even like young middle class the whole idea that it's just middle class people like the middle class people were getting the idea that middle class is just middle class people anyway is ridiculous but it's like even if it was just middle class people that those that kind of section of society is getting massively eroded anyway like mm. the, the 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 difference between rich and the poor is becoming so huge that there really is no middle class or mm. there's going to be very soon not much middle class left so this whole kind of like classic scapegoat of being like oh they're just kind of like middle class guardian readers who are still having a really fun time while else never struggling it's like i think that's just complete bollocks because everyone knows now that everyone's fucking struggling except for the very 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 rich people like at the very top everyone's having a fucking bad time and if you want to spend like basically uh, the last fucking bits of money that you have on having a good time because everything else is so relentlessly shit then why the fuck would that be a problem like mm. why and why, why would you judge someone to do that anyway like w- like it's like okay but yeah they spent 340 quid on glastonbury and then they've that you know to have a nice time because everything else is so relentlessly bad yeah they should be able to do that to take the fucking edge off like living in this fucking country basically and it's there's like, like that tiny kind of little like 
that little slither in the middle of like people, I guess, who are our age who yeah. go and they have a lot of money but have liberal ideas. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. that kind of tiny slither is used to represent like every single thing. person that goes there. Like, you, you can, you can, well, one, save money. Or if you have if the ability to save money, you can save up for a glass and bit, etc. That's a fucking good point because they always make that argument that if we just put a bit of money away, we'd be able to save a deposit. Yeah. So, like, maybe we're just being a bit pragmatic and just putting <laughs> a little bit away. Also, also, also as well, you, you don't need to go and spend that much money. I and mean, you can bring all your own food, you can bring all your own yeah. food. Obviously, that costs money. You can do it cheap. Mm -hmm. And I, I also, like, a lot of my mates work there and they, like, you know, they work for their ticket and then they, um, you know, like, they, like, they like sleep in their car and all this stuff like it doesn't have to be expensive um and i feel like this whole idea where people were saying it costs like a grand or whatever I saw that. it's like that's a crazy yeah. number Where's do you know how much lee anderson thought it cost <laughs> lee anderson genuinely like they're spending twenty six thousand pounds <laughs> and, and he said it earnestly I think, I think it's incredibly it like that uh thing in what is it uh arrested development where it's like how much can a banana yeah, cost yeah. Like, whatever. it's like <laughs> it's so much like that because they don't even know what the fuck they're talking about anyway they're just no. coming out with random numbers it, and then it's it also they don't know what it is because yeah, they've never been because they've never been so, so this whole and then obviously but then obviously it's very easy to like sneer at it when you haven't been i mean you know i was fucking sneering at it i mean i'm sneering at it right now i hate <laughs> i hate everyone at Bastonbury. i hate everyone having a good time i Damn won't it. be having a good time because <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't there that's what i'm saying i wasn't there even me not being there this year i was like fuck everyone at Glastonbury. but obviously you know when i'm there i'm like fucking yeah this <laughs> you did say something funny this morning though and i did actually really laugh at it or maybe it was yesterday you were like texting all my friends at night yeah, i was <laughs> <laughs> i actually was texting my mates being like are we still friends because <laughs> you've been at Glastonbury for a long time and you haven't messaged me back like, i've been getting, sending yeah. some pretty emotional messages i've been pretty sober this whole weekend you haven't really they're, been they're messaging me back no one said anything about your new notch in the belt no one, no said, one anything. said anything about supporting me in my jiu-jitsu journey and i feel pretty, I feel pretty. They're, they're sitting sweating in a 45 degree yeah, tent no, like they're all having they're not a bad eating, time. they're not eating in like three <laughs> days yeah what's that really crap thing that when you're a reporter like the first job that you get to do is like when it gets hot there's a heat wave in london like your editor will send you down to the tube yeah. to like measure the oh, temperature yeah, yeah, of the yeah. tube and it just seems to kind of be like for some reason activity that every single reporter has ever had Fry to egg do on frying eggs that kind of thing that was basically so is that me and my whole internship advice so they just basically made me do that like, <laughs> <three> months. <laughs> just sit on the central line no, measuring the temperature wacky things because they knew that i would just do anything basically but yeah it's a good, good, good place to be, <laughs> and, and and now you're here. So, great career choices. <laughs> We've got him. Um, so, what I was actually trying to say about Glastonbury was not whether or not it was fine that I went, and it was fine, and I had the best time. Um, but to want to talk about the um, drug testing on site has been banned, and now a group of MPs and Fat Boy Slim have written to the Home, home Office uh, to criticise the decision uh, for blocking on site drug testing at festivals. If I think Parklife tried to arrange it and they couldn't, essentially. Which they absolutely should do at Parklife. Oh, yeah, they should, do, well, they should do it everywhere. Yeah. But, um, but especially the places where they're going to be like younger people, basically. Because mm. I mean, I, I mean, not that it's going to be any better if you're older, but I think people when they're like, people that go to Glastonbury generally tend to be slightly older, I guess, like in their like late 20s to mid 30s or whatever. Or there is the generally like an older crowd who are slightly more experienced with drugs. But like, obviously, the bad times with the drugs is usually when there's young people who have no idea what the fuck they're doing mm. and then they'll like take a pinger or take a half and then they'll not they'll not feel anything then they'll take another and then that's when all the bad stuff happens basically but yeah the drug testing is quite weird because um it's such a harmless thing for them to do so why would they somehow be against that it's it, like it's what are you harming who i don't know if they, obviously i mean 
we're just such a regressive country in loads of ways but like the thing us about i think we're going to really be like the odd man out in europe and maybe even the world soon in terms of our attitude towards like drugs and like legalization and even like weed and stuff obviously we're doing cbd and like um and kind of medical uh, marijuana and stuff like that but i feel like the way that we're still our attitudes i don't know because like functionally it feels like um sometimes it feels like functionally the way that people do take drugs in this country is so kind of it's so fucking rowdy that like it doesn't feel like there is much um kind of policing in it but then i think that's kind of more because that is like a class thing where you know like certain classes get to basically have their fun with drugs and then other classes get penalized for basically supplying those drugs and that's where that's the cbd comes into it because think yeah. about like you know like that trip brand that's been coming out like that the that, drink oil yeah the yeah. drink with cbd oil in it or yeah. whatever it's got in it and it's like it was marketed in these like really pretty pastel pink cans it's it's like quite expensive yeah, for a drink yeah, and it was like it first came out like in soho house like which is um <laughs> which yeah. is like a, a ridiculous private members club that um none of us here would ever be members of um <laughs> <Even> lying again <laughs> ed's in it um, i'm not <laughs> but anyway it's just like the pretty packaging of all of it and it's it, it's like this is a, a a drink that is like you know marketed at the middle classes, people with a little bit of money who live in Clapham and absolutely yeah. could not be used for like cancer patients on the end of like live treatment who want mm. just like a fucking like, you know, bit of respite. So what, I think, what I think is actually is quite mad is by by, a po by blocking these sites. So it's, what they're actually blocking is it's back of house testing. So if you bring in pills and the police find it confiscated, they, t they test it in back of house, like on site. It's not front of house testing, which is where you come say and go to the loop. Right. and try and get your drugs tested to see if there's like anything lethal in it. It's like yeah. after the fact testing almost. And then if when they find like a dodgy pill, like we found fake, I think orange sound clouds or something, and they can send out a, a notice that says this Don't contains, these, yeah. yeah, which it saves, it saves lives. And like, yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah. I remember, I think one year, <clears throat> one year at Tea in the Park, it was like green Rolexes was like the big, like yeah, big killer. So they've had some ones, because I think what happens basically with the, with pingers especially, not that I would know anything about this, but basically it's like they, you get like a press that's like really popular or really good or really strong from like the initial press in Amsterdam or basically or wherever it comes from. I don't know where it would come from, but um, <laughs> basically you get one really good pinger and it's like the, it's the fucking bang bang and everyone goes mental for it. And then basically they, that pinger then gets, they, everyone clocks it, all the dealers clock it. And so they start doing dodgy presses of those mm -hmm. pingers and they start cutting it with really bad shit. So. There was a time when basically blue punishes were like the fucking main one that um, were getting over from Amsterdam. And basically they were so good and they became like ubiquitous as like the go-to massive pinger. They were like 300 MG, which is like obviously close, well, it's like a third of uh, a gram of MD in one pinger. So obviously it's like hench and like, it's really good. But then obviously what happens is that they started cutting that with, I can't remember where they cut it with that stuff that basically when you take it, um, they cut it with something that was like basically lethal. Wasn't there rat it. poison? It's the yeah. equivalent or something that goes into rat poison. Yeah, it was like this thing where it's like, if you take it for, uh, basically you can take fentanyl. it. Fentanyl. Yeah, oh, I, think it, I, don't know if it's, I don't know if it was fentanyl, but it was something on that level where people were taking it and then nothing was happening. So then they keep on, they take more and more and more. And then the dose that they would end up taking from taking more and more and more, if they'd just taken like half, it wouldn't have fucked them over. But because they were, nothing was happening then they take more and more and more and then basically when it actually eventually hits them because it's super slow release i think it was like 
an hour, like two hours or something, released this 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 chemical, and then it would just basically kill them or like totally fuck, fuck them over. And, and like, then a fifteen-year-old is obviously going to do that. That's what I'm saying. So that's why that's why I'm saying someone like Parklife or the places where there's a lot of younger students or uni people, it would be it's totally ridiculous. It's almost like a safety issue that they're not doing that because I don't obviously not everyone's going to test it. But if you're like a young responsible adult, which I think most people actually yeah. generally are in Gen Z, they're like a lot more like health conscious and stuff. Then I think they would be up for testing it so it does seem a bit like of a, neg of a neglect like a safety like a neglect of safety it's just entirely it's so just counterintuitive being like oh just this the britain's up attitude to drugs and stuff it's so regressive and yeah. so just it's, it's an import from america though isn't it I don't think but it is. even I think in America, it's British yeah. conservatism, isn't it? it even yeah, in America, they've got like the weed is now legal in loads of places and stuff like that. So even they are starting to like relax and they're starting to make loads of money off it and all this stuff. So it does just seem like really weird that we're not even like. Especially but, in public perception or public opinion of it is yeah. so much further than where the government's opinion on it. It's exactly. literally the only person really against it is like Pretty Patel. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, that it's, kind of like it's, legacy. It's, it's to be, it's, I think it's to, so like the. Tory voters in the hamlets who own guns for some reason. Yeah. Like, they won't be like, have you heard what they're letting the young people do? They're, yeah. take, they're taking, they're feeding drugs to my dog. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's, it's to, they're, they're constantly trying to appease this like, the yeah. most mental person in England. <laughs> yeah. And but it's like that, the, the, the moral panics, like the, the moral panics are getting so loud and they're getting ever increasingly like more ratcheted up the noise levels that it's becoming like impossible to do anything positive because anything positive is now seen as essentially i mean i don't want to get into all of that but i feel like basically the whole it's it's like anything left wing now is seen as um is seen as almost like the like kind of devil incarnate basically so anytime there's any kind of thing progressive there's such a right wing kind of like um static noise that kind of gets like chucked at it straight away that it becomes impossible to do anything and i think now the voting the way that politics is, is that they're essentially, as you were saying, appealing to the most insane person in the room at all times because anything else other than that will just get like ridiculed or kind of like be toxic for your numbers, I guess, which seems mm. crazy. Like identifying as a cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was an unreal exactly. segue. Uh, yeah, before we get onto that, I just want to quickly say, I spoke to Peter Kraken earlier, who's the man who did the drug, cons drug consumption ambulance in Glasgow, really um, injecting drug users I didn't know you did that I was reading about that this morning I spoke, I spoke to him I spoke to him um, yeah, Ollie and I made a video with him oh yeah it's cool a, yeah yeah he's sick he's really are you going to put a clip in here now of that yeah sure Peter Kraken in central Glasgow I met Peter Kraken he's a former drug user turned activist helping people overcome their addictions he didn't have the easiest start in life I took drugs from age 11 um, all the way through my, my teenage years. I became an injecting drug user by the age of 17. It just all became too much for me. Train spotting doesn't paint a romantic picture of Scottish drug use. Peter took me to an alleyway, 20 metres from the high street, but I wasn't prepared for what he showed me next. I mean, so yeah, we're looking at here, we've got spoons, needles. So you've got your needle, you've got your filter, you've got your spoon, you've got your citric acid, and you've also got a swab. People are coming here and injecting in the conditions that are really unsterile, human faeces, discarded clothes, people constantly peeing in this corner as well, you know. When you're out here and you're rushing, you know, because people will just do it as quickly as possible, they'll often miss, which then it leads to abscesses and infections and stuff like that because people do tend to even if they have got veins that they could access if, if it's cold people will be 
injecting in their groin. It seemed the pull to get high was so strong that a shit-filled alleyway is no deterrent. Our cameras had only been rolling for five minutes when someone interrupted us to shoot up. I spoke to Peter today, he described the policy as uh, ludicrous and disgraceful. And yeah. Peter knows his stuff. Um, there, there was a really good guy actually from, oh God, shit, Leap. Leap, which is that group that's like kind of ex-police officers and they're trying to like work with the law to not decriminalize, but to create spaces where people can test their drugs yeah. or whatever. And he was just like, he was like an ex-police officer, actually worked in the Met and was like, well, you know, it's a racist policy. And I was like, oh, God, yeah, must be very used to that. <laughs> <laughs> that's how he knows them. He's yeah, like, yeah. oh, yeah, no, that's one of ours. That's <laughs> As someone who routinely identifies yeah. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. <laughs> It's the Politics Show podcast. Should we talk about the cat? Or the lack of the cat, perhaps? Yeah. Which was, um, if you didn't see this, a recording of... It was, what was it, it was described as? It was a, two schoolgirls being told off by a teacher at a school in East Sussex where one girl, where, where there was, the teacher was saying that this pupil should, have been, or should be able to identify as a cat. That's what it was described as. But if you listen to the clip, no one mentioned any people actually identifying as a clap and it became a big moral panic amplified by Turning Point UK and other right-wing places like the Daily Mail yeah. uh, where people it turned into a whole moral panic about like children should not be able to identify, identify as cats. Well, so what it essentially is is that there's like some kid and everyone had this person in their class Funnily enough, this actually reminds me, a journalist outed herself as being this kid, which really I just thought was so embarrassing. Um, <laughs> do you know like when you had the kid in the class who like thought they were a horse, but like genuinely did, or like thought they were a cat and they yeah. would just be really strange, or like one of them who liked Doctor Who? They're so different. This is <laughs> They're such different things. Maybe to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, One's like one of the biggest BBC shows of all time and one is like a phenomenon that you're schooling. So anyway, there was this kid in the classroom in East Sussex and they were licking themselves and meowing. And now for some reason it's become a UK-wide moral panic that children are now seeing cat as a gender. But, you, but, even, but even like that description, the context that was in this clip was we weren't told any of that. As in, the clip was just... Well, you obviously weren't watching it, Ed, because I, I really felt it, personally. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I, th I, th I think the, the haste with which people amplified this video, I did not think... Like, I watched and thought, no way, like, what are you talking about? And then people were amplifying it, being like, just jumping yeah. on the latest moral panic, to, and then it became like a battering ram 
for the rights of trans people. <laughs> Wait, do we have the tweet? <laughs> do we have the tweet from that absolutely mental journalist? Oh, was yes. Like, I feel it's quite so bad. funny. I actually almost feel quite bad for her, basically. Really? Do well, you? Well, like, I know that obviously, in a way, it's like she's doing evil stuff. And it is funny that everyone was like, you know, taking the piss out of her for mm-hmm. doing something that was so blatantly evil. But I mean, she's probably getting told to do that by someone else. Like, she's, she's freelance. Probably- Oh, is she freelance? Yeah. Okay, take it all back. Shall I read the tweet? So, yes, yes. To give context to Tom's taking back of support. <laughs> Looking to speak to a mum whose secondary school-aged child identifies as an animal <laughs> can be anonymous and fee paid on publication. Please retweet. But who's paying? Because she can't be paying if she's freelance. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, she probably would have sold it quite easy to the yeah, Telegraph. But this is what I'm honest. saying is that the money is coming from somewhere. She's not, because I, I know, if, if as a journalist, I know that I would never have money to get someone to speak to someone. Like, um, yeah, so I'm not defending her in any way. I mean, it's just like actually horrible that she was even considering like jumping on that panic and making money off it anyway. And also paying someone to do it. But maybe it's kind of like how some journalists self-fund themselves to go to like Ukraine or other yeah. war zones. She sees <laughs> this yeah. as yeah. something worse. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Cause it would probably end up going viral or being like massive or whatever. But yeah, the whole thing is, it's actually scary how, um, insane everyone has got so quickly like i think it's got to the point now where even in the last couple of months like i go on twitter and twitter is obviously not a good barometer for like how things are going but it does really feel like there's like we're like the western world is slowly kind of collapsing and like everything's getting worse and worse noticeably and there's no real solutions in the kind of paradigm that we already have so all we're doing is just basically screaming about insane things to kind of distract ourselves from the fact that everything's just completely falling apart. And it's like, I, I, that's obviously, I mean, you know, probably people mention that stuff all the time, but it's like, it's, it just feels like the, it, the noise level is ratcheting up more and more and more and more to the point where it's actually like almost incomprehensible. Like when you go online, like I remember uh, Nazreen Malik or something did an article about it in The Guardian the other day. And uh, I just said something like, oh, I just replied to it uh, under saying, oh, yeah, this is a bit like, you know, how conspiracy theories also. And there was like, there was like about fucking, I got like 20 replies from just turfs just being like, oh, is it a conspiracy that a man is like, believes they're a woman and all this shit. And it was like so aggressive and so quick and so like um, repetitive, like it was just happening. But there's no middle ground on it. Yeah, there's that's never what I'm like, saying. they straight away go for it. You'll be like, oh it's yeah, so this, loud. you know, th- I said this and then someone will probably be like, oh yeah, do you want like this person's dick in my daughter's yeah, mouth? Yeah, there's like yeah. no middle. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like- it has to be, it has to go from more to 60 straight away. Otherwise it doesn't really make sense. Like there has that moral panic space. I think the thing is with moral panics, they have to be that loud and kind of like almost disorientating for the listener and for like the, the layman kind of thing. Cause if I'm just a normal person, then why would I really care that some kid is identified as a cat? Like I wouldn't really give a it shit. It doesn't affect your life in any way. It doesn't affect it doesn't anyone's life. I'm glad it's, it's not my kid. That seems a bit odd, doesn't it? it like, just, you know. But then, but then <laughs> it, has to, it has to have these cheerleaders that are so loud and like, aggressively cheerleading it because if they aren't that loud and aggressively cheerleading it as this life or death problem then everyone's going to be like well actually i don't really give a shit because the whole thing is that that even the transgender um 
well, even the whole thing about like people debating transgender lives, which is like an insane thing to even be debating in the first place. But like even that kind of whole thing that the media are trying to portray as a debate has only really come about because people are so violently opposed to it or so violently kind of like um, being angry about it that that's how it keeps on gaining traction or that's how it keeps its presence in the media sphere or whatever because people are just being almost like incomprehensibly loud about it and then there's no actual way to kind of not listen because anytime you say anything about it online or whatever there's just hundreds of replies from some whether it's like right wing like you know right wing turning point funded or wherever the money is coming from or wherever this funding is coming it's from it's all american evangelical yeah. like and it's... but then obviously even like the kathleen stock thing the other day where she was like slowly um slowly kind of moving from trans stuff into fucking abortion rights and you can see that Jeez. you can see it yeah. happening well, so quickly do you know that i was at uni when she was there and I knew her. Really? <laughs> I'll tell you what she was like after this. Okay. Well, so what was the what was, was Kathy's abortion thing? I did. I missed that. She so, basically starting to say that this, they're all starting to kind of creep into this kind of like um, abortion rights aren't like you know it's like basically saying I think basically kind of going into the the hard right evangelical line of are abortion rights actually feminist and all this stuff. So you can did so she easily say see, that. Yeah, she threw up some article. But she's remember. like the pioneer of like, I came out as a lesbian and like trans are taking away my right to be a lesbian or something it's, and that feminism. But, and it's, but then it, I don't know, cause then I feel like, I mean, I don't know, you have to like respect what people, those kind of people were doing back in the day. Cause I think they were quite pioneering. But of course I do. Like I'm a, like, I, I am not a like second wave feminism denier yeah, in any yeah. sense of the word. But I think that if you're like at the point now where you're like, oh, it was really nice that we got the pill, but maybe we should take um, abortion away now because yeah. they are, uh, they don't appreciate the lesbians. I think that's where we're kind of getting a bit confused. Yeah, and it's, it, I just think it's, you can easily see how England's like kind of narrative is slowly blending into American narrative. And that's ultimately the most insulting thing of all, the fact that we're just becoming more American. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> UK alienated our massive American audience, Tom. Ed showed me today, I did not know about this, but there's like a video of like Douglas Murray shouting at me. Like I was on a panel last week talking about the cat thing and like, I hadn't actually thought about it again. And then like Ed showed me that like- It's gone, done 2 million views on YouTube. What? On Sky News Australia. Yeah. <laughs> I had like what? no idea about this. How did you not know he was shouting at you? No, oh, no, no I knew he was shouting at me. The clip had been published oh, on Sky right. News Australia. Okay, no. I just assumed that it just kind of gone away into the ether. Yeah. Yeah. He was saying, he was making all the arguments of like, this is the most dangerous thing to ever happen since like, you know, um, the Manhattan Project. Yeah, but it has and to then, have um, this life or death quality to it. That's yeah. why it's so weird. And then I said, well, you know, I don't actually agree with that. I think this just seems like one sort of strange child and I think yeah. it's all right. And then he just launched at me saying, who even are you? You don't <laughs> even have a career. I don't even know who you are. <laughs> he just started yelling at I me. I remember when I slagged off his uh, comedy tour and then he tried to like he set his followers on me or whatever. I can't remember, was it a comedy tour? It or? was, it was, it was right wing comedy. This yeah, was so good. I remember I just took the piss out of it and then he tried to like sick all his followers on me and then I kept on just replying and. And then it was just kept on, he kept on like embarrassing himself. And then eventually he just blocks you and it's just like, oh, that's kind of boring. <laughs> that's become, like but you know what it's quite good for though? Like this, so there's like a lot of people like, I, now actually makes a lot of sense to me why people have been watching more of my videos. Cause I hadn't realized, I was like, it's been a bit of an uptick and a bit more hate <laughs> on here than I normally get. Yeah, and do you know does. what? I just want to say thank you so much for keep watching them. Because <laughs> it's, thanks, really, <laughs> it's really nice it's of you. It's great for your career. Yeah. I was lambasting as can well. we Can we give a quick shout out to Douglas Murray and his followers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks for watching guys. Uh, keep tuning. In. Get out of my pub! It's the Politics Show podcast. Shall we talk about uh, the Labour Party? Would that be fun? Probably not. But um, 
Labour. What a good transition. <laughs> that was dreadful. Oh, that was good. Sorry. Ava's <laughs> was good. Mine was rubbish. Do you have a good Tom? Uh, segue? No, no, I'm all right. It doesn't clap. No segues. <laughs> Uh, so, <laughs> uh, Labour have ruled out introducing free school meals for all children if it wins the general election. Uh, they said there is no commitment to the policy and it will not feature in the manifesto. Thoughts, Tom? Oh, man. It's just so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> this country is just fucking relentless, man. It is just fucking relentless. Like, nothing is allowed to be good. And if, that's what I was saying earlier about how like anything even slightly progressive, even something where like Marcus Rashford got made into like a national hero for doing this policy. L Labour are so scared of losing that older vote or losing that kind of mental, uh, mental vote. insane vote. Yeah, people that are basically been made insane by like slow dripping like poison from like the media over like 40 years that like they they now aren't even doing progressive policies that people actually agree with and like i don't know there's obviously i follow a lot of um i'm like you know i follow a lot of left-wing people on, on twitter and they they do a lot of they post a lot of stuff about how people actually support like nationalization of various things and i'm not actually sure where they're getting their stats from wherever they always seem to be like from opinion polls just as like reliable as any other government opinion poll but i trust them more because they're left-wing and i'm left-wing so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's but yeah no they, criticism of that but they there it does seem to be like a general consensus that like the progressive policies are actually be getting more and more supported you know stuff like nationalization of the rail nationalization of energy companies i mean i'm sure that is definitely supported by the mass water is the big one yeah because the sewage like... and it's like people like, but then labor are like oh yeah we can't do that because they're literally appealing to the tiniest sliver of people who turn out who are gonna basically which is swing. so mental because the water argument is so simple like kent have just had a water ban introduced right yeah. okay kent right you want to win kent if you're labor <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and so you basically just turn around to kent and you say how much does it piss you off that you can't yeah. water your garden well do you know why that it's is so simple, because though. these quite like these i was gonna say something else these ed campbells are like <laughs> not um, aren't filling fi fixing the pipes they're not plugging the holes and they are losing millions of liters of water every year yeah. and that in turn means you can't water your garden it's such an easy vote yeah. winner. But it's just like saying, look, we'll just sort the water out and we'll just, you don't even have to say we'll bring it into like nationalization. Just say we're going to like, I don't know, I guess they do say like vague things like we're going to like fix this or fix that. But it's always incredibly vague in like a way that's so non-committal that you know that, I mean, obviously the whole thing about Starmer is that he's like, uh, gone back on all his pledges every single pledge he's done he just keeps on like kind of going back on it in like almost like a comical way where he like it's kind of like does he even need to go back on this one it's not even like harming his like chances <laughs> at all but he just does it anyway just like for a laugh kind of thing but like he really doesn't it's not like he just has a, it's not like he has a chance to like do these policies because I think, still think this country is so fucked in the head that basically like doing any of those policies will essentially be met with some kind of fury and scorn in a way that will actually damage your chances of getting into power but and Rishi I think Sunak knows that like I mean what he said to him a couple of weeks ago at PMQs was like the best land on him ever where he was like oh this man wants to pay out the unions yeah. and this man wants to spend he's never going to do any of that yeah, yeah. but it's just it lands so yeah. well and everyone's at home going well do, do you know that's actually quite true. Yeah. And the best thing about him, he coined the phrase, 
Keir Starmer, sticking plaster politics. Like if you look it up, that's his phrase. He's like owned that. What does that mean? Sticking plaster. So it's like very temporary oh, right, policies yeah. that apparently the Tories have done just to kind of like keep things moving. Oh, like little bandage fix, fix the damage that they've done with their own previous policies. Yeah. Yes, but by not committing to any new spending or not committing to any kind of new radical policy, you yourself are the sticking pl- plaster yeah. politics. Do you think there's... He's, Labour continue to do well in the polls despite promising nothing. Uh, do you, uh, and that's to do with the Tories are so unpopular at this point. Yeah. That's probably why they're so far ahead of the polls. Do you think they're sitting in the Labour Party headquarters going, great, they, another no free school meals bounce? Do you think they're taking the wrong message from this? No, I think that it's just reactionary politics at the moment. I think that, like, if you look at the MRP polling, which is like the most accurate form of polling, it does show that Labour is way ahead. Mm-hmm. In this, it, it, it stands to get something like 420 seats. Fine. But all of that is in reaction to the Tories just being absolutely abysmal and yeah. and voters saying that they're not going to turn out, not not they're going to turn their vote into a Labour vote, that they're simply they're not, not going to vote. Going vote. Yeah. yeah, Or not going to vote, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm going to vote. I mean, it's like, it's pretty sad though, because it's literally like they've just beaten you down to the point where you just actually feel, you know, hopeless and feel like abject about any kind of form of pol- politics. But I guess in a way, I remember before... Uh, I mean, I don't even want to get into like Corbyn anyway, but before all that basically happened, like politics, even the Miliband thing, it was kind of like there was like an, there was like a vague attempt at making it popular with young people, but it wasn't really. They had like the Miller fandom or whatever the fuck that horrific stuff oh, was. Oh, no, no. She used to work here. <laughs> oh, okay. I actually really liked that stuff. <laughs> um, but Showed yeah, the um, fandom. Uh, but she was she was she was cool. I think in the end she actually did end up going into labor or whatever. So yeah, I kind of rated she, it. She, yeah, and also do you know she was like nineteen? Yeah, so she was well young. So you're I kind of I kind of rated yeah? that I she, she had that. She like, might have been she's younger. younger she's younger she was well young. Was she? I yeah, mean, when she did that whole. But thing. it was actually kind of mad because she captured everyone in a way that like labor could could not. Yeah. yeah. Like she, I mean, how do you? How do you make Ed Miliband like yeah. fuckable? She did it. Attractive or in, in any way kind of like into a like a positive meme rather than like a kind of piss take meme. Oh, it kind of was it's so... like the sun, pa- the, the sun front page versus yeah. the Miller fandom. Yeah, That's what it was yeah, up yeah. against. That's like, what it yeah. was. The power of 14 year old schoolgirls. But basically since then. <laughs> she was that young, wasn't she? Yeah, well, I, I was 18. She was well, she was, she was like really young. I think it was like 14 or something yeah. insane. But that was before TikTok. So she like made the video and then put it on Twitter or something of like the yeah. heart meme emoji or whatever it was. but yeah basically i think since then then there was like a swell a groundswell of young people actually caring and then obviously they i feel like it's like we need to crush young people's hope for us to carry on i feel like that's the kind of general pervading message i get uh from politics now is like crush everyone's hope as much as possible like make sure you let everyone know nothing is possible. Everyone is going to have a bad time, whatever we do. Because they're even starting to say like, yeah, well, there's going to be a lot of tough choices. And it's like, you're literally not even giving anything positive as a, as a like a, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, things are so shit. All you're basically saying is they're going to carry on being oh. shit, but we're just going to be but a different But do you know, like, have we actually ever experienced an election in our adult life where there hasn't had to be tough choices? Yeah, like, I mean, it's just like, again? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's constant, relentless, tough choices. Like, on a ser- like seriously, <laughs> since like, what, since, 2008 like our entire conception of like being like teenagers or adults or whatever has just been defined by the treasury not having any money in it yeah. and but specifically not having any money in it to fund any of the things that would be quite nice for us yeah, yeah like, nice. <laughs> what would make what would, would make you vote for labor um or vote at all i suppose um i 
I think it's one of those things where it's it's quite hard to like see how I could actually really support that party. I mean, both of them really, obviously the Tories are kind of like comically evil, but then the Labour are kind of like subliminally evil where it's like, they're like pretending to be nice, but then they're kind of like evil in like a way where it's like, we're the good guys, but we're still really evil. <laughs> and it's like, I can't, I can't, I can't actually like, I couldn't compute like actually, there's like some politicians that like obviously like uh, Zara Sultana and stuff like that. She's amazing. And like Nadia Whittam and stuff. And I really support them and they're great. But they've been like, but like they're being bullied out. They're being party. bullied out. That's the whole thing. It's like, I love them so much. And it's like, I love what they do. And that they are, they are like the kind of last bastion of like hope that I have for politics in any way, shape or form. And then they're just getting absolutely trounced by their own party. Do you know, I knew that Zara Sultana was going to be bullied out of the party the second that we went on a press trip with her to a Gurdwara. And she was so interested in what the people we were going to meet had to say. Like she was genuinely engaging with them, like actually interested in what was going on. And I was like, you are too into <laughs> you're this. <fucked. laughs> yeah, you are. It's like you, you're Taking giving Taking an interested people. Yeah. No, that's not what we're saying. Mm -hmm. That's not the job. Yeah, that's not the job. Um, I actually have no idea what would make me vote for Labour right now. I mean, the only thing I could, if they basically said, look, we will literally make things slightly better. Like that's all they need to do is just say, even just slightly better. But they're not even saying that. They're just saying things are going to stay the same, if not worse. They're literally saying in some, I think it was like Wes Streeting was saying, tough choices can we have to make we don't have the funding we don't have the money to spend that like, it's not going to be good for like 10 years or something yeah but he's saying. always desperate to push that line it's because crazy. he's so horny to privatize the nhs it's unbelievable <laughs> like it, but it is like i'm not even like I, I just actually think we need to kind of like shatter this thing where there's like a big cohort of twitter that'll say things like oh you just don't get it you're just trying to quash his it's like no how can you actually not see that we're streeting is someone who is actually actively out to, to take apart yeah. and dismantle the NHS. It's like not even neoliberal in the way that Tony Blair, like, you know, horned after. This is like yeah. mad. But it's not like neoliberal, even like the Tony Blair stuff, they were doing it in a way where it's like, we are actually gonna spend some money on public services to make them better. Like it's obviously no one's, I'm not gonna fucking cape for Tony Blair in any way, but at the end of the day- Only for the Iraq stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, all of that stuff, obviously they were again, like subliminally evil in a way where they were like, hey, we're doing good stuff, but we're also incredibly evil in a way that's not like as overt as the Tories are kind of thing. But it was good that they didn't find weapons of mass destruction in like state schools, otherwise they would have never got a <laughs> short start program. <laughs> but then they did do some stuff where the money did get spent that was like, you know, actually, and then obviously, it's mad to see how far even it's gone down from those years, just after like 12 years of the Tories or whatever. So it all Labour would need to do is just say, we might take it back to those years in like the 90s where we were like, actually, the country wasn't completely falling apart. Just say we won't make the country fall apart. Like that's all you but need to do. But the biggest misconception that they have, okay, so like Tony Blair obviously inherited like a completely different economy yeah, than yeah, what yeah. like, Starmer's yeah. going to inherit. And I completely understand that. But when you look at like the, just look at wage stagnation for the last 20, 25 years. You need to come in and you need to go, right, if you are, you're someone who owns a house, you've got a car, but you found you can't go on holiday anymore. We're going to be the party that makes sure that you've got a bit of disposable income back in your bank account. Yeah. Like that, that we're going to spend you out of poverty. Yeah. That's just a really simple way of saying mm. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone would be allowed to go to class. Instead of exactly. would be like, No one would be allowed to complain. But and you get your drugs tested. But is that, yeah. too, is that too much to ask for? Uh -huh. Do you know what I mean? I mean? It's really not. Like, uh, one of the guys I followed the other day, I was making a good point where it's like, it's not that insane to be like, I think people deserve to actually be, uh, to afford to live 
like literally just afford to live and also have one weekend of the whole year where they have a nice time for mm. three days. Like, I don't think that's that an insane left-wing position to say, I think people should be able to afford food and heating and also have a nice time for one weekend of the whole year. Yeah, but you would say that because you go to Glastonbury. <laughs> <laughs> and you also want a smartphone. I don't go to Glastonbury. I hate everyone who was at Glastonbury. <laughs> I hate you. I think it's just all this stuff, all that kind of chat just reminds me of like poor people shouldn't have plasmas or... Yeah, I mean, it's basically phones. exactly the same as that, but now they're kind of like angling it at like a in like a middle class way where it's like, no one's allowed to have fun because we're all having a sad time. But it's like, well, when does anyone get to have fun and what fun is allowed? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. what? well, it depends what your fun is, isn't it? Yeah. My fun is sitting with Turning your 10 flatmates, <laughs> not in a living room, four of you in bunk beds and <laughs> trying to pull enough coins together. To or fox the, hunting. Yeah, but that is fun. No, fun for me is just walking around the house, turning the lights off, and then like you know, shouting at whoever left it on. (laughs) Probably, and I'm alone, you know. So it's like, my God, (laughs) a mental health funding cut is really taking it yet again. You've done this, (laughs) (laughs) but I find out who did this. Yeah, uh, on that bombshell, shall we leave it there? Yeah, Tom, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, no, I don't Combat have sports? anything. No, I lost my last fight. Um, that was sad, but oh, I'll no. have another fight at some point, maybe in October, I'm not sure. Um, I've got some articles coming out um, on fry ups soon, so that's good. Um, what else? Um, no, I think that's pretty much it. Nice one. Ava, anything you'd like to plug? My Douglas Murray interview. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to plug a Black Country New Road set at Glastonbury. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.